My name is Zach Moss. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hey there, Emerald Podcast listeners. This is Francisca Monahan, the Senior Podcast Editor at The Daily Emerald. I'm here today with... Emily Garcia. I am a freelance contributor to The Daily Emerald Podcast Network. And what are we talking about today? Today, we are continuing our idea industry series that I started last term with Zach Moss. But today, we're going to focus on the UO football team and its new rebranding. So obviously, you have got to have heard Kenny, Ryan, and Jack talk about the new coach that's joining the football family, haven't you? Um, Yeah, I have. And it's also gotten a lot of listens, too. So I know everyone else out there has heard it as well. hey Nice job, guys. All right. So this is a big deal, not just for the football program as a sport itself, but as a business. What a lot of people forget is that football is a college's bread and butter for getting attention and selling merchandise. It's a big money maker. So naturally, as an advertising person, I want to look at this like a brand. We're going to look at UO football like a brand. And since they're bringing in Willie Taggart, the new head football coach, we're going to look at this as a rebranding opportunity. Now, first things first, when you start a brand campaign or a rebranding situation, you got to do what we in the industry call a SWOT analysis. SWOT stands for strengths, weaknesses, threats, and opportunities. Now, in this situation, I always think that the best way to start off a SWAT is with their strengths. So UO football has a lot of strengths going for them. Most importantly, the fans. They have some of the most passionate fans in college football. That is for sure. You can see it every single time you walk into the stadium and hear the noise level. It's deafening. Or even just try to drive through downtown Eugene on a game day. Oh my gosh. God bless you if you can even make it down Franklin. Am I right? But the second thing that Ducks definitely have going for them is they have awesome resources to not just take good players and make them great, but they have awesome training facilities, professional support, Nike. There's a reason we're known as Nike University. Plus, they got a legacy going here. Before the previous season, we had a 12-year history of being a strong force in the Pac-12, and that's not including, I think, the crown jewel of the Duck Dynasty, which is Marcus Mariota, the first Polynesian Heisman Trophy winner. So yeah, we got some strengths to us, but like every army, like Achilles had his heel, we have our weaknesses, which include, we just completed the worst season since 2004 with four wins and eight losses. That's, that's embarrassing. On our time here, we our school has been just winning almost every single game. Yeah. It's like a new universe that we've entered. Exactly. Like I used to have a playful banter with one of my friends from back home about the Civil War. And I said, the day the Ducks lose the Civil War is the day I will make you my homemade lasagna. And what the heck happens? The Ducks lost the Civil War and the Beavers won. And now I'm over here up to my elbows in ricotta cheese because, oh, crap, what I thought couldn't happen happened, you know? So last year was not a good year on the field, but it was also not good off the field. We had seven stories published about our football team last year in regards to players' poor behavior 
off the field, including stories about sexual assault and violence against women. Now, I mean, come on, Francisca. As women? No, it's not going to fly, especially in a very liberal school in a liberal state. Yeah, it's gotten a lot of unwanted attention, and it's very, very difficult to recover from that, I feel like. It's bad, especially when just this past weekend when we had the Women's March, we had over 5,000 women marching about how women's rights are basic human rights. And now we have five instances where players on the football team disrespected women and were violent towards them. Uh Uh-uh. Shoddy don't play that way. So that's something that's a huge weakness. And then I think one of the underlying causes of this weakness is our final weakness. The Oregon Ducks do not have a strong support system for their football players within the organization when our players are off the field. What does that mean? So like, so here's how it goes. A lot of people have realized this, especially since Marcus Mariota came on the scene. Polynesian men are very sought after in football because they are naturally big boys. They can take a hit. They also got speed. They can handle a lot of pressure and you can put a lot of body mass on them no matter their bone size because they got bigger bones. So you can put more muscle on them and you're not going to have bones breaking. But the issue is, is that in Polynesian cultures, especially from my father's home state, Hawaii, Football is a way for boys to get out of the state and to actually get an education because the Polynesian islands, their education system really suffers because they don't have the resources the United States has. So football programs across the nation recognize this and they go and they treat these boys like kings while they're trying to get them to commit to the school. But then the second they step foot on the mainland after leaving their support system of family and community and their coaches that they've grown up with on the islands, when they step foot here, they go from being the cream of the crop that, you know, universities make them feel that they are to they're just a Joe Schmo. They're the person who helps deliver the product. And for a lot of these guys, it's hard to go from having your entire family and your community supporting you to being here on the mainland in Eugene by yourself having to handle a lot of pressure of just being, in a sense, a pawn on the football field. So that is a huge weakness, I feel, played into a lot of the poor behavior we saw from players last year. Now, we're going to move on from the internal aspects of the football brand here at University of Oregon to the external factors. So first, we're going to talk about the threats. I think the number one threat on the University of Oregon's radar for football this year is the Washington Huskies. They finished number one in the Pac-12. Like, that's awful. You know how the saying goes, huck the Fuskies. Well, darn, guys. We were the ones who got hucked this year, if you know what I'm saying. Or ducked. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the other second threat that is going to be coming up here is just last week, we had players that were hospitalized because of exhaustion caused by the new coaching staff. Now, I don't know which is more frightening for me to think is like, Six foot guys dropping down like flies or the fact that our guys were in such bad shape when they got pushed, they couldn't handle it. But 
this is a threat because backlash from fans, from players, or from the players' families about athletes being hospitalized from exhaustion is not something that Willie Taggart wants to start his legacy out on. But let's not forget about this huge opportunity that's coming for the Ducks. First of all, we have a new football season coming in September. Players are going to have a couple chips on their shoulders because they're athletes. They want to win. And they want to prove that last year was just a fluke. I'm looking at you, Royce Freeman and Darren Carrington. I mean, I know they're going to want to play and show that last year was just a joke. And Look out for Justin Herbert, too. He is going to be a sophomore, and he is going to be a force to be reckoned with, I believe. But from an advertising standpoint, the biggest opportunity is Willie Taggart as the new head coach. For all you ladies out there, can I get an amen? We have a coach that is actually directly saying he will not tolerate violence against women. Oh, my goodness. I've been waiting so long to hear this. Okay, so... Willie Taggart is bringing on an entirely new staff with 10 new people to his hire and a new tagline. Do something. What do you think about that? As in do something is the new team it's motto instead yeah. of win the day. Yeah. Do something. I can see how it kind of like it plays a little bit off of the just do it mm-hmm. thing from Nike. Um but yeah, it has it, it's kind of like a call to action. Um, it's a little it can it's Im- ambiguous. I don't know, but what you're it's, giving me all these facial expressions. It's I don't know what ambiguous. You- I don't know. Like I get where Coach Taggart's coming from. You know, I played volleyball. I I did club sports where you would travel all the time and then you would run on little sleep. And so you're just like you know you put all this effort in, so do something about it. But I don't know with the do something ambiguous level to it i could see some sketchy social media trolling happening this season but the best way to shut them up is by making sure coach taggart makes this rebrand a success now in order for this to happen he's got to address some issues first and foremost the criminal activity involving players gotta go violence against women um possession of weapons hello what the heck do you need those for and finally let's talk about the fact the use and sales of drugs by players come on guys taggart's got to make sure he keeps this in line especially since he's got to realize women are becoming a big thing you got to focus on women's rights are basic human rights we get that political side But what about the football, the sports, and the business side? You cannot upset your female fans, especially when, according to ESPN, football has the largest female fan base in sports. And according to the NFL, they document 44% of their fan base is female. Now let's put that in perspective for U of O. Autzen Stadium's capacity is 54,000 people. Now, if we apply the NFL stats to our Oregon football fans, that means that's 23,760 women sitting in the stands. Now, I don't know about you, Francisca. I am a big football fan. I will scream my lungs out, but I will definitely sit my butt down if I see a man who has physically assaulted a woman scoring a touchdown. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I'm not the most sporty type. I have gone to exactly half of a Oregon Ducks game in my time here. I do do keep track of the stats. I kind of gave up on it this year because it was depressing. But yeah, I mean, 
women's rights is a really important issue obviously i mean they're like you said basic human rights and i feel like it's just it's stupid of me to even have to say that they're important like that's just obvious mm-hmm. but how much of a issue is that really for branders or for the coach because i mean we saw with this election being offensive towards women and assaulting women doesn't necessarily mean that that half of the entire demographic doesn't isn't going to support that well besides the fact that women make up 83 percent of the purchasing decisions for a household there's also this fact 23,760 women sitting in the stands You upset some of those women, you lose those seats being bought, period. Now, you're not just losing ticket sales, guys. If the football team upsets its female fan base, it's also going to lose sales in female merchandise, other football merchandise. Every merchandise that surrounds the football team will be lost if they lose any part of their female fan base. But I do have to say, holla flippin' luya to Willie Taggart, because he has made an example that women are off limits, as Ryan Kosteka pointed out in the previous podcast. He actually released three players who were involved in issues that included violence against women. And I have to say, it is a about time can i just say like he's doing an awesome job but we also have to remember jack butler brought up an even better point those players weren't necessarily key leaders on the field sorry guys hate to say it but it's true so the question is will taggart have the gumption to let a player go if it's a star player who is doing the violence against women yeah that is a difficult i mean we won't really know until it happens which it hopefully won't but at the same time it could just be i don't know i don't want to be cynical of a coach but i mean that's a pretty big move to remove three players of a team to send a message but i mean that also kind of maybe gives him a little bit of a buffer yeah It does, but right now what I think he's doing is he is establishing that he is here to play football. He is not here to play games with attitudes and egos. Um, Just to quickly move on from there, you also got to fix the support system with the program that leads players to make poor decisions. Taggart has already started that. He has excused players who have demonstrated poor behavior, but he also needs to make these players feel secure with their brand because quite literally, these athletes are the literal face of your brand for the Oregon football program. When they act out of line, they respond They represent the brand as much as Willie Taggart does when he goes and makes appearances at basketball games or football games. You need to make sure your players take as much pride in the brand because branding and rebranding begins within. If they're not buying what you're selling, your fans sure as heck aren't going to buy what you're selling. But where does he start with that? Well, he's got to start by commanding respect. Hate to break it to you, Mark Helfrich, but the reason why your players do not respect you is you were a pushover. They were terrified of Chip Kelly. Now, not saying that I'm a fan of Chip Kelly either, but Chip Kelly scared his players into being afraid of making any bad choices off the field. Helfrich was the good guy, and so he let them get away with stuff. I mean, do you honestly think that some of these players would still be on the field if Chip Kelly had heard that 
One of them broke a guy's arm in a bar fight or another was accused of sexually assaulting his girlfriend. We can't say, but Mark Helfrich let it slide. So you got to hold them accountable and in line. But you also have to respect your players and that lets you get their respect in return. Especially when you have players from the Polynesian Islands who literally gave up their entire lives to be here. Don't just wine them, dine them, and then ditch them. You can't ghost your football players, coach. You got to be there and be a support system, especially when they left their family behind. And Taggart's also got to show that football players don't just care about football. They also care about the rest of the University of Oregon. So show up to those basketball games. Show up to those rallies that are happening about social causes. Show up to classes and don't ask your classmates to take notes for you. Be an active athlete. But above all, Coach Taggart, please continue being a good coach and example for these young men. Because so far, he's doing a great job. I believe it's because he's a dad and he's got a daughter and he doesn't want to see, you know, his players acting like idiots out off the field. I don't know. But he's doing a good job doing that. But then finally, Bottom line, and this is what is going to put rubber to the road, Coach Taggart has to play better than he did last year. This is just from a business standpoint. We get it. In any rebranding situation, you know it's going to take time for the public to catch on to what you're selling. But come on, Coach. You, you don't necessarily have to go to the Rose Bowl to improve from last year. You just got to make sure you win more games than you did last year or at the very least, do not lose any more games than we did last year. Football is your business, and in order to succeed in your business and have your brand actually be successful, you need to win those games. An example of this is the New England Patriots. Not only do they have their branding on point, but they also have their winning on point. They're going back for another Super Bowl match against the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, you can't argue with them. I do have to say there are instances where you can have incredible branding and not the best players in the world. A great example of this is the LA Kiss down in Los Angeles that's owned by Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. They took the Kiss brand and applied it to an arena football league team. Now, they had the branding. They sold tickets like there was no other, which is hard to do with arena football league, if you ask. And they had some pretty good players. They had one of the leading kick returners in the entire AFL league when they first started. And yet they had one of the worst seasons as teams in that league. And it was because their coach didn't know how to handle the talent or maintain the respect from the players. And unfortunately, that number one kick returner they had got let go and that stinks like my heart goes out to that player so much because he was the best at his sport but his coach didn't know how to brand and win the bottom line so all in all I am excited to see what Willie Taggart does he can make this rebranding a total success for U of O football and I'm excited to see what he does with this so in your words Willie Taggart let's do something with this football team and its rebranding this year all right. Well, thanks so much, Emily, um, for teaching me all about how to rebrand a football team. Thanks. It was fun. Sorry if I got like all 
Fanny on you. Oh, it's, it's all good. This has been Francisca Monahan, Senior Podcast Editor of The Daily Emerald. And I'm Emily Garcia. I am a freelance contributor to the Podcast Network. And you can check back here next week to find more idea industry podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye.